You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1279 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a new look on this podcast. We're going a little bit lo-fi on this episode as I am joined by my friend, Robbie Calland, who you can see, but now you can hear. Hello, yes. Robbie. Hello. Hello, friends. We are in a Las Vegas hotel room. Yes. Uh, we covered together the Hawks Summer League game Tough on this watch. Monday, it was not fantastic. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that already. But if you missed this one, it was a 101 to 73 loss to the Pelicans. The Hawks have been pretty dreadful offensively in both summer league games so far. If you missed it, I talked about the opener on Saturday night into Sunday, and that full breakdown is here. We'll spend a little bit of time on the summer league game today, as well as some other stuff later on. But uh, when I have Robbie around me, it's a good time to talk about some other stuff too. But we'll we'll do, sort of do some summer league first. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> the score kind of tells a lot of the story of summer league. I would normally go through my like nuts and bolts stuff. I will say the headliner probably is still the absence of AJ Griffin. Yeah. So we'll start there. Uh, Griffin did not play again on Monday. He did not practice on Sunday either. Uh, that was relayed by Lauren Williams. And then I confirmed that after the fact, but he re- was ruled out today about an hour before tip off. Didn't seem like he was particularly close. He is around the team. I walked by him a few times today. Um, still some just discomfort by all accounts. They're saying it's precautionary. It's not an acute injury or something actually happened to AJ Griffin, but the soreness discomfort is there. And uh, he's still not ruled out for summer league. In fact, uh, I believe it was Lauren asked Nick the next lap of the game of he was going to be able to maybe come back. And they were still sort of saying day to day at this point in time. Um, Robbie, you've covered a lot of summer league basketball. We're, we don't, we don't want to go crazy about guessing, but yeah. like unlikely. Yeah, I think that at this point, at this point, I might guess he doesn't play at any point just because of the, of the logistics. Uh, the Hawks play again on Tuesday. That's the biggest thing is they play tomorrow. Yeah, like if he's not going to practice, he's probably not playing tomorrow. You would think so, just because logically speaking, they probably want to see him on the court before he's in a game because mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything in a few days now. Um, and they do play again on Thursday, but at that point you're playing in the second to last game when most guys are not playing by that point. Not everybody, but some teams are shutting the guys down by then. We'll see. Uh, I said this on, on the other, on the last podcast as well, but I don't really have too much of an issue with this. I don't really worry too much about this. Yeah. Obviously a foot thing is a little bit scary for anyone, but as far as we know, and I'm sure they're being cautious as well, but they're, they keep saying it's precautionary. Yeah. I don't really have a take beyond that. It's like, he's just not ready to play right now. And it's summer league is just what it is. Like yeah. it, it stinks. Cause like, that's the thing that everybody wants to see. Sure. Um, and I think it also like, it's not great if you're talking about, you know, we're going to get into this. Like you talk about like Sharif struggling and for a guy who's a creator, not having your number one shooter out there. Like yeah. that's what AJ Griffin's going to bring you is he's going to be able to knock down shots like immediately. Like that's what he's supposed to be able to do. Yep. Um, and not having that and what they shoot today, like three for <laughs> three for a million, three, three for 24, three for 24, three for 24 uh, on three. Like, yeah. so like, if we're talking about, and we'll get into kind of Sharif's struggles and, and where that is, but it, it kind of thinks for, for evaluating him too, because that's kind of what he does is he's a table setter when he's at his best. And so not having the guy that you would be, you know, setting up, I think when you, when, when fans are looking at Sharif's struggles, um, you know, there, there's obviously some 
question about the is it the thumb? Yeah, he's got he's got those. I'm not even sure if it's a sprain. He's Soreness. got a sore thumb and all that stuff. And but that doesn't explain away a lot of this. Uh, he's just been bad. He's just been bad. But it also doesn't help when he is very clearly the one guy that you have to focus on. Yeah. Um, like I mean, watching today, the Pelicans always had a big ready to step up in front and help, and there were really no corners to turn yeah. for him. And um, so that's contributing to his issues. And you just look at the roster and there's just nobody else to really pick up the scoring slack with, with AJ out. And so I think um, it's just, it, it's tough and it, it makes it, it makes it not a lot of, not a lot of fun to watch this team right now. Yeah. I mean, the creation numbers are what they are. You know, Sharif was 0 of 8 in the game on Monday. It felt like that. And, you know, people are, I think probably the number one question I got was like, you know, is it time to panic about Sharif? And I, I think that, it's concerning that he has been as bad as he's been in these first two games. There's no, there's no way around that. I, I will say, and I tweeted this too, but um, he has a real sample of being a productive professional basketball player um, yeah. at the, you know, last year in summer league, he played pretty well. And then more importantly for me, he was pretty good in the G league this mm-hmm. year and the G league is not summer league. Um, it's not the NBA, obviously, but honestly, a regular season G League game is probably a higher level of competition than Summer League. Oh, most definitely, part. especially because you're going up against defenses that know Sets what they're trying and, to do. Correct. So yeah, you're playing real basketball. The fact that he's able, he was able to do that and play well, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he's guaranteed to be, to be a great NBA player, no. but it does mean that this is kind of aberrationally bad, probably, the way he's played these first two games. And the injury is what it is. I mean, they're, they've said it kind of they kind of volunteered the, the, thumb, the thumb issue. But even today, Nick Manexel, questions from me and Lauren Williams and others, like he didn't talk about the thumb. He kind of gave a, a comment that I tweeted out earlier, but it was like a, basically like, you know, a lot of pressure on Sharif, that kind of stuff. And listen, one of the things that I've been saying a lot, people have not really focused on is that Sharif Cooper is not under contract right now. He, he got a two-way qualifying offer. The Hawks have control over his rights, yeah. but he's not signed a deal. So maybe that's part of this too. Like he knows he's kind of pressing. playing for his next thing and maybe pressing or whatever, but between the thumb and the way that he's just not playing well. I mean, you saw it today. It wasn't just a situation where he's missing. I mean, he missed jump shots too, yeah. but it's not, he's not, he's not blown up. He's not blown by no, guys. He he's not by, really like, doing stuff. He couldn't get by uh, Tyreek Jones. Like, yeah. He, he, a couple times he had him. I said, he couldn't get by him. Um, he was also really like, it seems like the missing shots is kind of affecting his assertiveness because there were a yeah. lot of times where he just wouldn't look at the rim. And, and again, when you, when you don't have another guy that can score when you're not looking to do that, when you're not assertive and, you know, if teams cut you off initially, you're not going to do anything else to score. Um, they're able to kind of cut everything off. And then when your teammates aren't making shots around you, it makes it more difficult when, when that's kind of your, your thing. But he, he, I think if you're a Hawks fan, you want to look for him to find that assertion. And I think that's what Nick Van Exel was talking yeah. about. It's like he needs to learn to be, you know, decisive and assertive. And, and I think when he talks about the pressure on him, it makes you kind of the wheels start turning. Because the thing about the, the Sharif's whole thing is his feel for the game, right? Like that's the thing that was yeah. the best attribute coming out of college. Everybody says like this dude has a great feel for the game. He sees the floor. And Nick Van Exel is talking about how the floor opens up when you just slow down. Yep. And I think right now he's, pressing himself and it's creating uh it's gumming up the works and he he's he ends up just you know not making a decisive move and when you do that at summer league where everybody else is flying around um you know the the guys who look best in summer league are the guys that can slow it down the the josh giddies and you know the guys who who really just like are letting the chaos go around them. It and is are just it, moving. It, it is chaos. Something to keep in mind about summer league is that the pace is so much faster 
and not not necessarily in an athletic way. Obviously, the best athletes in the world are in the NBA, right. but guys are playing. You're, you're running a lot more sets. You're, you're running a lot more stuff. Whereas some league, it's just very frantic, is the way that I would say. Yeah. Uh, which is not necessarily playing into the hands of Sharif, and he is small, and that's always been the case as well. It's not going to change. But no, I, I think that I am concerned about how he's played. Mm. That has to be said. Uh, I don't think that it's like panic button. damning on him. Like yeah. I think um, I'm wondering if maybe they do something different with him for tomorrow's game, just like maybe get him off the ball a little bit, something to get him, something to get him going. But uh, that's the number one storyline on the court. Obviously Griffin not playing is number one storyline overall, but Sharif struggles has to be the thing. And look, he has not been good. That's kind of the thing. Like, I don't want to overstate it for people that have not been watching these games all the way through, but I mean, there's people asking me around summer league, like what's wrong with Sharif Cooper. And that's when it gets to that point, obviously I'm seen as the Hawks guy, but it's an obvious topic where people they're like, "Whoa, what's going on with Sharif? He's not. He does not look good." And that's I agree. He's not looked good. Um, if he, he did have four assists in the game, but four turnovers and 0-7 on twos and just kind of settling for floaters and all that stuff. So I don't want to go keep going crazy on that topic. But it's um, he was not particularly great today, uh, to say the least. And honestly, um, I've said this a lot of times in the last couple of weeks, but most of the attention on most of these kind of shows that we're doing here or around the league is like on the guys who are on the roster. So. Sharif's going to be number one there. And then beyond that, you get like Shondi Brown, you get to Tyrese Martin, um, obviously a little bit of attention on Justin Tillman, who was good in the first half today. It kind of slowed down from there. Yeah. I'm not going to grill Robbie on Justin Tillman necessarily, but um, Tillman is a guy he's who small center, man. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, a <laughs> good I, player. Yeah. I said this the other day. I think he's maybe a kind of guy is a kind of a traditional, like quadruple a player where he's like really, really good in the G league. And he's, could be a professional. I mean, he could be an NBA guy, but it's just that, you know, the next even said it, like he's just undersized. And he, I think he was only like one of eight in the second half, something like that today. Yeah. Um, and then defensively, you know, just being that size at center, is just going to be, unless you're a Congo and you're just kind of a freak, you're kind of limited there. Um, I thought Martin was better um, today. He got downhill pretty, pretty yeah, decently. Especially got early himself, on. Got himself to the rim a couple times early on and, and um, wasn't out of control. I think that was the thing. If you take take a positive way, no turnovers, nothing like that. Like he was, he was pretty in control of himself. Just nobody could knock down a shot. Like really, really on either. Like that's something that Axel said too after the game. Uh, I think it was Lauren Aston, just kind of his overall thoughts, and it was one of those like we just can't make shots. And it's like sometimes it really is that simple. Like the Hawks weren't like running great stuff today, but I believe yeah they were. I believe now they're nine of fifty two from three through two games which you can't be good on offense in the NBA if you do that. Um, and they got to the rim, I thought, a lot better. In fact, I had the stat in the first half, every single point they scored that was not a free throw was in the paint in the first half. Shot great on free throws. Great free throw shooting team. 18 of 19 elite, from the free throw line. Elite free throw and I will say this, this is more of like a, a nerd thing, but the Hawks fouled incredibly much defensively in this game. So they had 16 free throw attempts allowed in the first quarter. So That's a sky-high number. Um, but anyway, I mean – Shawnee Brown had a bad shooting day. People kind of panicked on him a little bit. I, you know, Shawnee Brown's not going to be a guy who's shooting a ton in the NBA anyway. He should not be taking 14 shots. No, and he's he knows, and that's part of what Robbie was talking about earlier. With, he's not a secondary. Without game. Sharif, like, I think Shawnee's letting it fly, as he should. Um, I'm sure he's been instructed to just shoot it whenever he's able to, and he'll always be a low-usage guy in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, in the brief time we saw him last year, he was playing a four even a lot, and I think he's more of a wing still, but he'll be a guy, he's a pure three and D. He's not going to take a bunch of shots otherwise – He's letting it fly. Um, other than that, like, you know, I thought Joel Ayayi was pretty active at times, had two steals, but like, and I kind of like James Akinjo, but I think he's like, I mean, it's a, it's like, he's like three of 20 from the floor in two games, which is obviously the challenge there. So um, I don't know. You have more summer league takes before we hand it over to other things because uh, 
and I think everybody knows the deal offensively. It's just been so, so tough and they will make more shots. It's like law of averages. They have to make more shots on Tuesday and or Thursday, but Sharif being good is the thing that everybody's wanting to see. And we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you'd like to see him again. I think it's just being decisive, being assertive. I think that's what uh, Van Exel will harp on the next 24 hours. Oh yeah. Try to get out of him. Uh, only other takeaway from that game is if a guy gets hurt in the first half, don't bring him back. That was a yeah. real bummer to see with EJ, EJ Liddell, Liddell. And, and I don't know what the diagnosis is, but um, he went down in the first half right in front of us uh, yeah. and it didn't look good, but he was able to kind of walk off. And I, I just assumed he was done for the day because he went straight to the back, didn't shoot free throws, uh, came back out, got hurt about 10, didn't, 10 minutes it didn't, later it didn't look and, he, good. and he couldn't put any weight on it. So, Hope that was a little more of a scare, but if you're talking about why you would be extra cautious with A.J. Griffin and the foot, it's like if it's bothering him, this is not the place. And it's part of that thing with the chaos. Oh, yeah. Is it lends itself to guys getting run into, guys getting stepped on, guys get like – because these – especially on like fast breaks and stuff, uh, you see it a lot. Like I slam like Chandler Hutchinson. Hutch- Chandler Hutchison took an absolute – knock uh yeah he, on the he, he, he popped up but it was right it was right in front of us and it was yeah, a loud crash thumped in and so and it's because these guys are trying to to make rosters and so they're flying around um and, and it is it is a little bit dangerous at some league sometimes and so um i had it had been a while since i had sat in cox which which where your baseline the, the, the small gym and um it's it been a while since i was right there and and uh, yeah, man, you kind of it's forget notable. how fast, fast, and fast and hard those guys, those guys fly around. That summer league, it's a little uncoordinated at times. Uh, so I think if you're <laughs> you're going to be cautious with a guy dealing with something like that, like AJ Griffin. So again, like if he doesn't play, it, it's not a catastrophic thing. No, you'd like to see him on the floor, but it's more important. Let's get him in some preseason action. Yeah, and I said this um, as sort of the last summer league thought for today's game and all that before. I said this on Saturday, but. Uh, even even Nick Van Exel, who's a summer league head coach, was basically today like when, when asked about Griffin, he was like, "It's it's summer league, like keep that in keep that in perspective, kind of thing. Like it's not the biggest deal if he isn't playing games." I know fans want to see him, and I totally get that. I want to see him, quite frankly. It'd be really interesting to see what he looks like. But uh, guys missing summer league is not going to hurt his development necessarily. Right. Um, that's not really the whole thing about there's a whole several discussion to be had about like what's the value of the actual games? Cause it's almost more PR and like getting buzzed than anything else. Yeah. Um, you want, you want to get fans excited about seeing the young guys, especially, especially the top picks, like the yeah, top picks. First on round bad, picks are, bad teams. first round picks are, especially the top 15, even the top five picks are, you know, sort of a different level, but first round picks in general are the currency out here that fans are coming to see for the first time. And yeah. occasionally you get a guy who's coming back for a second season, who was a first round pick the year before, like if Jalen Johnson had played this year, it would have been, obviously he would have been a, a lot of attention paid to him, yeah. but the stars out here are the rookies are the first round rookies. And that's what Griffin was supposed to be. So, and we, I mean, we saw, we saw Paolo get shut down today, two games. Yeah. Down. Orlando was like, you did your job. People and were he, very and excited. He, and he looked and great. It was incredible. So. And it was like, it, it, it should not surprise anyone if Chuck Holmgren stops playing pretty soon, too. So yeah. he played today, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, before we get to some other stuff on the Hawks front, maybe some other summer league content, um, a word from our friends at Built Bar. Robbie, it's time to talk about Built Bar. And uh, they have, of course, invented healthy and tasty in one package, and they have a new latest gift for your taste buds. You've been trying the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar before, and guess what? The friends over at Built have given the brownie chunk the puff treatment. That's right, the coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness 
Does yeah, that sound pretty good? Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm I'm hungry right now. Dinner's after dinner's, dinner's after this, so we're all we're all, we're already salivating over here. But uh, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious coconut ch- coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com right now to make sure you don't miss out on them. They're going fast because they actually taste amazing and they're super healthy. They have collagen protein, which your body can absorb more, and tons of health benefits across the board. Eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. That combination is always in high demand, and it's definitely available at Built Bar. And the, bar, the best part about the puffs is, of course, that they actually taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free. They're really good for you. And use our promo code when you get to build.com. So build.com is the place to go. Promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D, 15, for 15% off on your entire order at Built Bar. One more time, it's built.com, promo code LOCKED15, built.com. Let's do. Heist. That's right. Okay. We're talking. Robbie. Yeah. Let us discuss some other Hawks things. Let's do it. Um, because you're here and I'll, I'll sort of go back to my uh, traditional game recap format for the most part on Tuesday, but that's, I have, uh, <laughs> this wouldn't be a fun one to read a national, uh, a national NBA expert on the podcast with me today, former, uh, former hawks.com and Peachtree hoops, uh, assassin that he was. Um, so the Hawks have been busy. Um, people asking yes. me, if they're not asking about Sharif Cooper in summer league, a lot of the questions are basically, what do you think of the big move? So it's DeJounte Murray. Let's start there first. Yeah. What did you make of that? Uh, I've shared lots of thoughts. I'm going to hand it to you. What did you make of that move from the Hawks standpoint? What's, what's it sort of do for them now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting because it clearly pushes them. It, they're all in on this this window. Like, it's yeah. not an all-in move where they have to win next year. You know, you're talking about a guy who's on two more years of his contract and then should be a guy you could get on an extension. Um, and so – they're very clearly just buying in on this window and hoping they have a four or five year window to, to compete. And so it's not, not necessarily immediate uh, that they have to be in the title picture, but they clearly see this as a move that gets them into uh, what they hope is the upper echelon of the East. And, and you can, there are obvious fits, right? Like you need a point of attack defender next to Trey Young. And what is DeJounte Murray? He is an elite point of attack defender. Um, he has crazy length. He is always near top of the league in steals. And it's not because he's a gambling guy. You know, I think that's kind of the difference as you look at some of like Russell Westbrook was always at the top of the league in steals. Um, but the reason was because he jumped passing lanes and got out of position. But Jante just has go, go gadget arms. And he's like a, you know, like a seven, go, go gadget you know, arm. like a seven foot something wingspan. And um, just gets 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 his hands in there and so from a defensive perspective i, I you love what this does because you have now theoretically you have a high-end defender all three levels right you have a point of attack defender Dejounte. you can now unleash uh deandre on the wing and yep. just have him have to deal with wings because it used to be you know depending on who was out there he's been their guard defender a he's lot. had he's had to take on the best guard matchups that's tough for him because a lot of movement and, and when you're facing a quick guy and you want to be physical, sometimes that can that can be tough and you're going to get blown by and that sort of thing. But you have DeAndre now on the wing and he can focus on being a wing defender more. I think that's going to be good for his development as well. Um, and kind of locking in a role, um, you know, that's something that, that a lot of coaches will talk about is they want young guys to be able to, to kind of master a role. And I don't think DeAndre Hunter was really able to do that defensively, even factoring in how toolsy he was because roster limitations – you know, pointed him to, all right, you're going to be more on the perimeter, taking on the lead ball handler. And now he can take a step back uh, and, and be more physical and be, be more of that uh, wing defender. And then obviously you have Clint Capella at the rim. So you have all three levels 
Uh, and that's not something that the Hawks have had around Trey Young yet. And, yep. and it makes it really interesting to see what they're going to be able to do with that. I'm sure Nate McMillan is thrilled to have that <laughs> because, I mean, we know what Nate McMillan wants to do. He wants his guys to play defense. He wants to guard. Uh, he, that's what he did when he was in the league. That's what all of his teams have tried to do. Um, he has harped on that over and over and over, no matter where he's been as a coach. Um, so I like it from that perspective offensively i see how it can work yeah you understand what they're going for it comes down to and i wrote about this at uprox it comes down to trey's willingness to take a step off the ball but not just play off the ball but be engaged off the ball and i think there's two different ways to play like when you look at um you know the guy that trey has been compared to every day since he came in the league stephen curry the best off ball star in the league that maybe we've ever seen with the way that he moves and the way that he flies around and comes off screens and all that and everybody wants trey to do that and i, I don't expect trey to overnight become no somebody like no that one's, no that's one's doing not, that that's not gonna <laughs> happen however there are things he can look at um you know I, I i've written about this before like his relocation could be better um like quick relocation get off the ball move get yourself in position for a shot shot ready that sort of thing and so i think more more than necessarily just flying around on the, on the ball because there's only a few guys that can really do that uh and sustain the level he just needs to be engaged he can't be 33 feet away from the basket like james harden used to do to chris paul where he i mean seriously like there were always these, these there, there like, will be some of that i think there are gonna be some there'll be some your turn my turn stuff well, there's, there's, almost has a, to be. there's a there's a little bit of that but like what happens is no matter how good you are as a deep deep three-point shooter you're just not a threat when you're out there and it collapses things on on someone like Dejounte and makes that life hard if he can be yeah. an engaged off-ball threat to shoot then it opens things up. Yep. Um, and so, because look, we they, they want to do the same thing. They want to run pick and roll. DeJounte was like 48% of his possessions last year were in pick and roll. Well, and that's the thing about, about Murray in general is that if you're if you're lower on this move offensively, it's because he's not an off ball. It's because of Murray, not because of Trey. Because at the end of the day, there's a balance. They're going to have to find it. This is not like breaking news, but Trey is still their best odd mall player sure. by a lot. Trey is a lot sure. better than Murray at that, but Murray is good at it. So the natural thing is to stagger them, which I hope they will do, and yes. have Murray play when Trey's off, yeah. which I think is going to be the plan. But it can't just be Murray spotting up. No, they have to. They they have to do other stuff. Murray has to figure out. Too, I mean, part. I, mean, I agree with you. Trey's going to have to figure it out. It's a, it's a topic that's been happening for a while now. Trey off the ball, and now they have the guy that I think he's going to respect enough to really move off the ball and be able to be engaged. Yes. But also Murray's gonna have to figure out how to play off the ball. Well, too. no, he's gonna he's gonna have to learn that. And, Almost and again, more. it's gonna and and part of this is the the thing he's never played with a guy like that. No, like, like Derek White is not a a creator in that way. That's the first thing I asked him, I was like, all right, what, how's this gonna work uh, at the press conference? I was like, man, how's this gonna work off? Well, because Trey's someone that you know the, what you don't want to have happen is Trey to stop running pick and roll. No, Trey is if not the best pick and roll operator in the world, certainly on the very very short list. And yeah, Trey being Trey, but but because Trey is a much better shooter than Dejounte, the natural fit is to have Trey off the ball in theory and in, in some ways. And again, it's all about balance. Murray's well, going to have to cut more, all that stuff. Too, well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's. I'm not saying like Trey becomes an off ball. Sure, player. I'm just saying that he has to. There's just something as out you there, seed though. some of that as you seed some of the the reins to to Dejounte and kind of trade off a little bit. When he's off the ball, he needs to be more engaged Absolutely. to be it to to make this as successful as it could be. 
Um, because again, that's what's going to make DeJounte successful in pick and roll is having the threats around him. Um, and then again, like you said, it's, it's going to be incumbent on Nate and this coaching staff to figure out what DeJounte can do off the ball, because that's, that's the thing we don't know. Like that's the big, that's the great, we, because the thing is we know what Trey could do. And that's be a really great shoot. Trey synergy numbers and catch and shoots are off the charts. Like we know he can do, we know he can do that. It's just, that's the thing. It's like, we know Trey can do it. It's will he do it with DeJounte? It's the mystery of what's, well, it's not even just, can he be the spot of guy, but like, what are the other things that he can do? Because theoretically he could be a slasher, but is there going to be the room when they're sharing the floor with Capella and and some other guy? And, and, you know, like, what are the lineup combinations? You take Herder out of the lineup and now you lose a shooter. Um, and, and so it's in the rotation and, and you don't have Gallo. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how they cobble together offensive lines. Because, again, I think they've improved defensively. I think they've got that figured out. Um, it's just going to, it's going to be. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we see a lot of different tinkering early in the season oh, from Nate. Like we're going to see a bunch of lineup combinations. I think you're going to see you know like whether Bogdan comes back into the starting lineup with with Hunter at the four or I guess as long as John Collins is here John's at the four which he is uh and DeAndre will be at three but if Johnson ends up getting moved then no but I mean you'll see Hunter you'll see Jalen Johnson it'll be there's all kinds of lineups and even you know I'm not I'm not the big I'm not the expert on X's and O's but I can tell you that you're going to want to follow people like Glenn Willis and and like what Nate's going to be running because Hmm. they're going to have to be creative and that's not necessarily the strength of Nate Nate's more of an old school like kind of roll the ball out matchup kind of guy Hmm. but that can't be what you do with this backcourt at least at first once they figure it out they figure it out but no, it's, it's going to be one of the interesting things because, you know, I think a lot of people focus on the defense and they should. And this is something that they've said, including at the press conference from, from Landry Fields, they they wanted to find a player that could do what Murray does. And that's be the number two playmaker and also be the prototype defender. Yep. They found that. And I, I like the fit a lot. I do think, though, it's not it's not a slam dunk on offense just because you're adding a guy who averaged 20 points a game in San Antonio, which he did. And he's that kind of guy. He can score. But he's not a prototypical off-ball player next to Trey Young, and the shooting's a little bit of a question mark. All that stuff, and you know, especially I've said it before, Trey. I think there's a lot of people that make it so easy in theory to say, okay, Trey just moves off the ball, and he can do it. But it's a willingness, and what Robbie said before, just to wrap it wrap it up, is him being engaged and being intentional about it is what he's never really been able to do for long spurts. And granted. In his defense, I he always say this: the there's never been a guy no. for him to do that for. So no. now this is the, this is the first true opportunity for Trey to actually be like, okay, I know this guy next to me that I, by the way, wanted to play for and have admitted that already. Yes, him coming to town gives Trey the opportunity to be like, okay, I can do this now. And he's not going to be step off the wall, but he does have the opportunity and the willingness and also the ability to help Murray out a little bit. Uh-huh. Because what you don't want to do also. I said it before, you don't want to make you don't want to take Trey away from, from the ball. You don't want to just make Murray a spot shooter either. No, that that neuters his value a lot. Well, and then you you close the floor in on Trey. Yeah. Even oh, exactly. That makes life more because honestly, it's, it's, Murray's a worse shooter than the guys they've had before. So if, if that's what you're if, if you're if you're swapping Kevin Herter for for Dante Murray I mean. offensively, you're you're and you're making them play the same role. Exactly. Doesn't that's work. what you don't so, want to do. So I mean, it, there's yeah. there's there's some shooting questions that I'm sure we'll talk about a lot in August and September because the Hawks don't have as much shooting as they did a year ago. That's the one thing that's probably changed for the worse on this roster because I've said before this is their best roster they've, that they've had in the in the Schleck era. But the one thing they don't have as much of when you trade basically Herder and Gallo for Dejounte Murray, 
you're a better basketball team, but you have less shooting. You just do. Um, Jalen Johnson for Gallo, same thing. Jalen might be good this year. I'm, I don't really know what to expect, just to be honest with you. But we, well, one thing we know about Gallinari is that he can shoot the basketball. Same thing with Kevin Herter, who I think is a well-rounded guy, but obviously is a high-end shooter. So anyway, that's uh, a little of a, a little on Murray uh, because that's obviously a huge topic too. And now that like the entire NBA is in one place, people are talking about all the things that have happened in the last two weeks, yes. so, like playing catch up in a lot yeah. of different ways. Um, I do have one final bit of business. It's, it's, this is not basketball related to wrap up the podcast. Uh, Robbie and I were expressing some takes about dipping dots today. Uh, just for people that are listening summer to the podcast, uh, summer league, uh, the food options are a little bit tricky in the arena. You got to be, got to be, got to be, be prepared. Um, there's a dairy queen for the sweet people, but uh, I know a favorite of ours and really a lot of the media is, is dipping dots. And I don't always go loose at the end of the podcast, but here we are. Um, I am, I personally ordered dipping dots today and I had, I had banana split and Robbie had, which, which one did you have today? Mint chocolate chunk. Mint man. chocolate cool. chunk. Are you, are you anti-mint chocolate chip generally? No. No, I'm not. I'm not anti. I just I would strongly have banana split and cookies and cream ahead of it. That's all. I I, I disagree. I think the I would definitely at least have like I'm not a big banana split guy. So like this is just a, this is just a philosophical. Difference. By the way, if you if you make but it, having it, cookies and cream ahead of the mint uh, feels outrageous. If you still are listening or watching this podcast by the end, please drop me a line at Lockdown Hawks on Twitter or at BT Roland to share your opinion on this. Please fire. Please fire at Robbie too. He also, he won't check as much. Also, I I, I will say. Uh, the chocolate's just the best, like the plain chocolate. It's gone. There was the best. It wasn't, it wasn't available there. today. It wasn't uh, there. Rock bottom. Yeah, there, there's like um, dipping dots, chocolate like the full the flavors that are available in like a mall. They only have like six. They only, have five, they only have five or six at Thomas and Max Center. Unclear what rainbow ice even is. I don't really know. It's got different colors. I don't know what the I flavors are. It's like I don't. A, I don't trust. It's that. Supposed to be a snow cone. Like, yeah, I was about to say, is it supposed to be? Which is just sugar. I don't know. Anyway, that's our podcast for today. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie Callen, for joining me. Robbie, where can people find your stuff on the basketball world, football, things that you do yeah, podcast-wise? Well, where, where can they find you? Uh, Uprock Sports, Dimag.com, on the tweets at our calend, and uh, Punkcast. The Punkcast. We'll be back. The Maybe greatest week with uh, the Open. The greatest college football slash golf slash whatever podcast imaginable with uh, Robbie and his famed guest, Mark. That's not Martin. Wow. Hi, Martin. Uh, Chip Patterson and Tom oh, Fornelli CBS Sports. Of CBS Sports. Um, as for this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you find podcasts Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Also on the video side at YouTube. Even if you're not going to watch on YouTube, it helps us to subscribe on that platform and like and share and all that fun stuff. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland for Robbie Calland and myself. We will see you next time.